Being a professional isn't about the money you make, the position you hold, your level of expertise or fame. It's the motivation and the attitude you bring to your work. A desire for always learning and improving and balancing your creative output with getting the business done. Welcome and join the Creating Pros. Hi, and welcome back to Creating Pros. I'm your host, Jim Nettles. This week, I want to dive into a theme that ties together much of what we've talked about the last few months and something that will set a lot of the tone for the next few upcoming shows. And it's something that's leading to updating on our, our workshops. It's something of, of significant consideration to every project I've currently got in the works. And it's actually affecting every single one of us. And it's a problem that is ballooning. And it's the real cost of free. Now, I want you to stay with me on this because I'm going to tell you what you need to do to adapt to the changes that are coming. And you can be ready or you can be surprised. And you can either plan now or try to react later. In the world of 2023, you know, we have a generation of people who've grown up attached to technology. They've been connected to the world through the Internet their entire lives. And many of this generation have a collaborative and a creative spirit. And they're bringing it to life through our ever-changing technological world. For other generations, we're all kind of at different places, different positions in terms of how we've taken to the technology, what we're using, how we're using it, and how we look at it. Now, but this younger generation, I often hear this generation referred to as entrepreneurial. And to an extent, I really do agree. And this is a time when anyone, literally anyone, can start a business, whether it's a side hustle and or even something you're doing as a full-time business and potentially grow it to being even a billion-dollar conglomerate within a couple of years. Now, most of us will never do that. Most of us make some side money, or if anything, we can get in there and create something that we're making a living from, right? But for most of us, that's really all it's ever going to become. And we can do this really at a negligible cost, or potentially even no incremental cost over what we already have in our houses. Now, the number of tools, technologies, and the education available to everybody is out there. And again, a lot of things can be done for a few hundred dollars or maybe even no direct costs at all, maybe a couple of thousand. Now, it used to be to start a business would take tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars to get started. You know, infrastructure, hardware, consultants, marketing. Uh, now, many businesses, especially creative ones, can be created for fractions of a cent to the dollar comparatively for even a decade ago. Um, we even see teenagers that are doing things for free from their phones and getting paid for it. And everything we can look at here is relatively cheap and easy. When I first got in the technology industry, mm -hmm. if we wanted to start something up, we were looking at at least a few, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, $50,000 just to get the basic infrastructure to start doing the work. Now, literally I can do it from a cheap laptop or my phone. We can start up large companies and infrastructures with a handful of people. Well, when we look at things now and the tools that are available at relatively low costs, there's one thing that is extraordinarily valuable, and that's our time. But we're going to come back to the value of time. A couple of weeks ago, I did a show with a friend of mine on um, pondering the orb. I got to be guest one. And I wound up being the last guest of the season. And we were talking about some of the things going on with ChatGPT and technology. But we spent the first hour diving into and talking about the economy, what's happening with the economy, what's happening with money, and how all of these things are kind of coming together 
and forming a perfect storm. Now, looking at that, I decided to go back and I referenced something going back about 40 years ago. You've probably heard the phrase, information wants to be free. We've seen it as a motto and kind of a, a big war cry of cyberpunk and tech spaces and a lot of kind of the, the freedom and anarchist movements. We also hear and see this in a lot of other places too. And for those of you who have read some of my work or heard me talk, you probably know where I'm going. And while this idea of information wants to be free has been out there and around there for a very long time, even back before the earliest days of tech, you know, the idea information wants to be free. It wants to be there. It wants to be available. Well, I think it's important to know the context where this line really starts to come from. I think it's important to understand the history and also understand the conversation that happened. And even though this idea was out there for a long time before it, it really gets credited back to 1984. Um, Steve Wozniak was at a, was at a uh, conference for the first hackers conference in 84 and was talking to Stuart Brand. Stuart was up on stage and they were having this panel conversation. And this was all around the ideas of ethical hacking. Now, in those days, hackers were not necessarily perceived as the kid in the basement or the state actor that's trying to break into your bank account. It was really kind of a more term for everybody working in the tech industry. It was for everybody that was really the real wild west days of technology. And this has a very different connotation now than it did back then. So if we look at the entire quote, the entire conversation, and I do suggest you go find the video of this. It's really an interesting debate and discussion. Um, you can also look into uh, an article that Steve Levy did a while back called The Definitive Story of Information Wants to be Free, which dives into the conference, the quote, and the conversation. Now, before I go too far off track, I want to actually read you the quote and the response. On the one hand, information wants to be expensive because it's so valuable. The right information in the right place just changes your life. On the other hand, information wants to be free because the cost of getting it out is getting lower and lower all the time. So you have the two of these things fighting against each other. And the great and powerful Waz came back and said, information should be free, but your time should not. So if you look at this quote, we often go with that, oh yeah, everything should be free. Information should be free. Data should be free. I should be able to do all these things and not pay for it. That's not the argument. The entire argument was a recognition that it costs a lot to create something new, whether it's a fiction book, whether it's a textbook, whether it's creating a podcast. There's a cost that goes into creating that, both of time, money, and other resources. But once it's created... Once, is, once it exists, it really is simple and easy and really cheap for it to get shared with the world. And in this is the recognition that the most valuable part of all of this is the time. It's the time component. It's what it takes to create the work, whether it's in research, whether it's in writing, whether it's investing to go travel somewhere to see something. It is the investment that goes into creating something and make it into actual useful information that's expensive. And so the cost of that needs to be spread across those that are consuming it and also re reimbursing the person whose time and resources were invested 
to create that. And this is where the great value is in the work that we do. And most people don't see that both direct and indirect cost of time and money. For example, as a writer, you know, it takes time and money for me to write a book. If I'm editing it myself, it's indie published. I'm paying for the editors, the covers, these kinds of moving pieces. If it is something going through a publisher, I'm still paying for marketing. I'm still potentially paying for research and other things that go into the book. Now, today, we have a lot of tools that are available. A couple of weeks ago, I did a tool show just sort of saying, if you need stuff that's in the open source, you need stuff for free or relatively cheap, there's a lot of tools that are out there for writing, for art, for music, for video. I mean, you can even produce a phone or produce anything pretty much from your phone. You can make a full movie from there, edit it, cut it, do the music and produce it and release it and do it all just from a smartphone. And then even if you're looking at the commercial tools like Microsoft Office or the Adobe suite of tools, other things like this, realistically, they're relatively cheap. So let's say that hundred bucks a month, you've got two suites worth of tools fully in your hands that are extremely powerful. And if you're running a business, that's really a nominal investment. And then we look at other things like social media. Um, you know, social media gives us tools to create fan bases, interact with customers, do marketing. Same thing with entertainment media. Um, I can re reach people globally and do it at relatively low cost. I value my time. And these platforms offer a lot of knowledge, a lot of education, a lot of information at really minimal or no cost to you out there. If you're wanting it better organized, you're wanting more detailed, different perspectives, yeah, you may be paying for some of that education, but even so, if you pay a couple of hundred bucks or a couple of thousand dollars for training, things along these lines, you can get knowledge, skills, and education that comparatively is a whole lot better than spending, say, $100,000 in a university. Or maybe that couple of hundred dollars gives you a bump in knowledge that means you can make thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands more. You know, other things that have come, look at the businesses that have really come into being as these platforms have come around. Ideas that nobody really would have had as moneymakers. You know, the indie author business really has come into creation in, in the last 20 years. Um, this is one of the things that Amazon was not the first but they did sort of create the ability of small publishers and indie authors to get out there. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, these created places where entertainment media is out there, many movies, many storytelling, many dramas, things like this, plus all the educational and entertainment media that's just out there on these platforms. All of these are being done and offer a tremendous amount at little or even no cost to the end consumer at least not a direct cost. I mean, look at the number of influencers that are out there. People that are making money to promote products, still tell stories. You become a minor public figure or maybe even a major public figure. You might get paid to speak to large crowds. You might be invited to the White House. Or you might also then use that influence to perpetrate a scam to the millions, hundreds of millions, even of billions of dollars. So these are platforms that offer a lot of reach and a lot of power. And technology is not good or evil. It just is. But it offers a lot of power to those people that are using it. And we have to look and understand this when we look at these platforms. And especially when we look at how we ourselves use and leverage these platforms to get out there. 
And the other thing is this, we can see the influences and biases and all the things that come into play with these different technology platforms. You know, it's not only about the people who own and control them, but also the people that work for these companies and their, these organizations. We are now getting a lot more direct view into these companies and how they interact and affect their users. You know, we see data being shared between companies, between governments. That idea of privacy when you're on one of these platforms really isn't there. There's both good and bad to this because this means that we can create and get this direct reach and know who we're, we're reaching and marketing to and all the rest of this. But we also have to act with the intention to understand exactly when we use these platforms, what we're giving to them, what rights, potentially intellectual property rights we're giving to them, and also what data we're providing to them that can be leveraged and used. You know, as the saying goes, if you aren't paying for it or you're not paying to use it, then you probably are the product. And even if you are paying for it, uh, you know, really, you are still the product in a lot of places. You know, think about newspapers, TV, social media, you know, the press, media, even a lot of entertainment now has never really been free. Um, unless you're making money from ads, you're not making money. And we're seeing this more and more with paid services. Think about streaming services. Think about all the different online media and online posting situations, news sites. You know, we spend a lot of our day in front of or behind a screen, you know, computer monitors, you know, tablets, phones. We spend a lot of our day here. Some of that time is being creative. Some of that time is doing our day jobs. Some of that time is productive. Some of that's bringing new work into the world. Some of it's just fun and entertaining or educational. And some of it's purely just a time suck. Now, we can't be productive 100% of the time. I know I've tried. Downtime is good for us. Having a life is good for us. Getting out in the world is good for us. But we have to act with intention when we use these tools. And what we often lose sight of is all the entities that we deal with, these social media companies, streaming services, news, media, all of it. These are businesses and companies. These are companies that are often expensive to run and operate. They have large staffs of specialized, skilled uh, people, lots of technology, lots of space, and the energy it takes to run and operate all of it. And in some cases, we do all of this just so that you can watch, you know, baby goat yoga. And a lot of these people are now that are very highly skilled, very highly knowledgeable, are finding themselves without a job. We've been watching the layoffs happen in the tech industry, as well as financial industries, other industries. And as we watch this, money, interest rates, all of those things that affect not only your bank account, but also affect these companies as well. Why is that important? Well, as we watch money change how it operates, as we watch some of the coming things around how currencies are changing, as we change, watch how dollars are being devalued, as we're watching central bank digital currencies, as we're watching cryptocurrencies become much more part of the media infrastructure and the commercial infrastructure, we've got to start to adapt as well. You know, these companies have to find a way to stay profitable and companies even as large as say Meta slash Facebook, well, they could just disappear. Um, you know, there are a lot of companies out there that we deal with and names we know. Think about AO3 and think about a lot of the, the Wattpads of the world, things like this. 
These are companies that may not have ever really been profitable or looked for profits. But now that free money is gone, now that debts are skyrocketing and now that a lot of, now that unemployment is starting to rise, a lot of these companies are going to be in trouble. A lot of these companies are going to have to change their business models to be able to stay afloat and survive, which means that both we as creators and we as consumers are going to have to change our view about how we use them. So you may be thinking, well, I'm an author or, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a creator. I can, you know, I can hop to whatever platform. I can dump Facebook, I can toss Twitter, I can jump TikTok, whatever. As these things come and go, well, more likely at the back of your mind, the other thing you're thinking about, because I've had a lot of these conversations, think about how much time you've invested into these platforms to find and create the following you have. What about the time you have created communities, groups, the forums? Think about all the different ways you leverage and use, say, Facebook and how its tools are very different from, say, Instagram or TikTok, even Twitter. You know, all these platforms have different uses, different audiences, and knowing where your audience is at is a hard thing to discover. You know, what happens when a platform decides that a new book launch or a new piece of artwork isn't engagement and isn't sharing and isn't creating that social environment? But it's not commercial. It's really an ad. It's something that needs to be paid for to be seen. Well, on a lot of these platforms, we're already seeing this anyway. You know, what do we do as we continue down the path of management changes, legislation, regulations, community standards that lock down what isn't and isn't acceptable on these platforms? You know, we're driving towards a lowest common denominator in content, really a lot of Disneyfication. Well, what happens as we continue to go? and the social and political winds become a hurricane. What happens as people start to cut back or just ditch using these platforms entirely? What happens if Section 230 is changed or even abolished and these platforms become responsible for what you post? What happens as you become more responsible and liable? What happens in your feed, your groups, even responses people make to you? These can make these platforms that we live and die, die by these things that keep our businesses afloat, well, they could become almost entirely unusable. Now, do I think that's going to happen? You know, but when things like this do happen, where does that leave you? Where does it leave your audience? How does that leave your business in place? You know, and I don't want this to sound like the world's ending because it's not, but it is changing more rapidly now than ever. And it is absolutely speeding up. General AI looks to be around the corner. Business intelligence is getting smarter and more adaptive every single day. Governments and businesses are just absolutely in a lurch trying to keep up. They're trying to keep their boats from capsizing, and many of them are going to fail. Power is going to be consolidated. So is the money. So now that you're probably sitting there thinking and feeling a little bit of that knot in your chest, what are you to do? What's a small, creative business to do? Well, here's the good news. You may be in the best position of all or at least in the better position to survive up until things get better, until better times come along, until the cycle changes again. And this is just part of another cycle. We've seen this over and over and over again through history. We're in one of those periods of trials and tribulations, and this is often where creators are most responded to, most influential, and I'm in, you know, often can wind up being the times when we're also the most recognized and the most compensated. 
Creative people serve a critical function in any society. We inspire, we innovate, we satirize, we educate, we provide escape and experience, and we inform and we entertain. We provoke these thoughts and ideas. We drive action. We drive and elevate feelings and emotions. We capture the entirety of life, everything from the smallest moments up to the grandest gestures, the great adventures, and just the trips to the store. And in this, we can't be replaced. As we saw at the beginning of the lockdowns and the pandemic, people flocked to books and to streaming to escape. They dove into their backlogs of entertainment. They immersed themselves in their old favorites. When times become difficult, we go to the comfortable. We go to the things that help us survive. When times become difficult, creative works can mean the world to someone else. And it's time for all of us to prepare because, as we've been talking about, things are changing. At the beginning, I mentioned that Gen Y and really Gen Z have been given an entrepreneurial spirit. And I agree with this in part. And I see that people want the freedom to create their own paths and opportunities. They want to try to use the technology in their hands to create a name, a brand, their own companies, their own businesses, and not be beholden to working for somebody else. The part I see is this. The, the people with this entrepreneurial spirit, this entrepreneurial idea, having grown up in small and family business, it's missing that understanding of the investment, the infrastructure, and the business environment they're operating in. Not acknowledging the fact that this isn't just a money printer. It's a machine, you know, one that's got to be primed and fueled. It has to be powered for the right environments, and it has to be ready to go off-road when the conditions dictate it. You know, when we as creators feel the tools that we should use, you know, should be free to us because we don't want to pay for them, or that in some cases we should even be paid for those using those tools, we're forgetting that we're in a business-to-business -business relationship with those companies and platforms. Want to get paid for creating great video content? Great. Do the work. Put out quality work. Give the platforms what they want to create engagement. Give them what they need to sell the ads. Want to be a writer, an artist, a musician? Do you want to create your own new and unique work that you're trying to sell? Well, this again is a business and one we have to, to fuel. We have to power it. That means our time, our creativity, and money. It means all the resources we have that it takes to operate a business. The next few years of the social media environment are going to tend towards pay for play. And anything that looks to be commercial is probably going to be treated that way. You want to promote a book, promote a piece of art, promote some music. Well, you're going to have to boost it. You're going to be paying for the advertising that it is. You know, we've already seen where I create something and maybe three to 5% of my audience actually sees that it goes up. Those numbers are going to continue to trickle down. We're going to be doing pay for play. Want to pay for that checkbox that says, yes, I'm a real person. Yeah, you're probably going to continue to be paying for that too. You know, it's nowhere as easy to build an audience and reach people as it used to be. I mean, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of competition and a lot of people out there debating what tools and platform to be on. It's also probably never again going to be as easy as it is today because it's going to continue to get more and more difficult, more and more segmented and really harder and harder to find an audience. So the question becomes, where should you be spending your valuable time and your valuable resources? And here's the good news. It's really back to basics. 
you know, if you're running ads, if you're online and engaging with people, if you're doing events, some of those resources really need to go to boosting people to get them to your real estate, your website, your blog, your mailing list. If your platform of choice decides tomorrow that they're going to demonetize you, they're going to deplatform you, or maybe even they simply cease to exist. You know, if people can't find you and reach you where they have been, do they have another way to do it? Do you have a way to reach out to them? Because one of the things that we discover in terms of competition, just because it's out there doesn't mean somebody's going to come to you. They have to know you're there. And if you've invested the time to reach people once, make sure they've got the ability to stay in touch with you and you're giving some reason to do so. You know, remember, your time is valuable. Your work is valuable. You know, if we can't or we don't value what we're doing, what we put out to the world, then nobody else is going to value it either. If we don't show people that we're putting out good quality work and that we're spending the time and the money to produce as good a quality as we can, then people aren't going to value it either. They're not going to pay for it. We're not going to be compensated for it, which means ultimately we can't continue to do our work. If we can't or don't value our work, no one else will either. And to date, the cost of free has been really high. You know, it's been really a sugar buzz and we're about to have a crash. You know, it's meant that readers and fans don't necessarily believe they have to support their creators by actually buying the work or paying for the work. Yeah, the information wants to be free. It wants to be loose and out in the world. It wants to reach those people that want the information. But we have to remember what it costs to create it and deliver that work. And that means we also have to kind of inform in a certain way and remind people that it takes time, it takes money, it takes resources. And that's part of what they're buying when they buy a book or buy a piece of art is that they're supporting us so we can continue to do that. Creators deserve to be compensated for our work, not only for what it costs to create it, not only for our time, but to make sure that we also have the inspiration and the resources to keep going. We can keep creating and deliver more and better for those fans and really to the betterment of all. And remember, a rising tide lifts all ships. And when that tide comes in, you can either watch your ship roll over or watch it go out to sea. Make sure you're on your boat when it goes out and make sure you're ready to ride with it. Until next week, I'm your host, Jim Nettles, and don't forget to stay in touch with us through creatingpros.com, and we'll see you again next week.